0: Three rings for the Alvin kings under the sky. Seven for the dwarf lords in their halls of stone. Nine for mortal men doomed to die. One for the dark lord on his dark throne. In the land of Mordor where the shadows lie. One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. One ring to bring them all and in the darkness bind them. In the land of Mordor where the shadows lie.
1: Hey there, ears. I'm Danny J. and I'm Joel N. and together we are Keep on Tolkien. I'm oh, sorry, we're supposed to say it together. We don't have to. Okay, different today. Switching things up. Switching things up. Variety is the spice of life. But today, uh, speaking of variety, we have a special guest with us today.
2: That's right. Our special guest today
1: is our dear friend Ella. Ella Pearson. Burr, 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 burr. <laughs> 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 Uh, and Ella, she runs a podcast with her dad. Uh, shout out to Scott. He's uh, Scott Pearson. He's a science fiction writer. He's really cool. Yeah, he's probably the coolest dude. Yeah, ever. he's like
2: our pet boomer, I'd say. <laughs> he's he's basically, uh, everybody wants him to be their dad. Yeah, I wish he was my father. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I get a lot of that. Yeah, I wish your
2: dad was my dad. He's
0: everyone's pet boomer. <laughs>
2: he's, yeah. So collectively, Ella and Scott have their own podcast called Generations Geek. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh so yeah, yeah introduce yourself. Yeah, hello, it's of me. Off. I'm Ella. <laughs> <laughs> hello, it's me.
0: Hello, it's me. I'm Ella. Um I have a podcast called Generations Geek with my dad where we talk about all things geeky.
1: Yeah. How long have you been doing it?
0: <sighs> like 7 years now. Dang. Yeah, since I was like 14, maybe going on 8 years. Yeah. Yeah, it's wild out here.
1: Yeah, so you guys have like how many episodes do you have like?
0: Oh God, I don't know.
1: I think you're in the fifties, aren't you?
0: At least, well, we have like a few because we do like seasons. or that we call them series in, yeah, the, yeah, in yeah. the in the, like British, the British fashion. So yeah, must be. At least fifty some, yeah, I don't know yeah,
2: they've been going for a few years longer than us have oh they? yeah,
1: you, they've been they're more uh, established <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's one of my favorite podcasts. you guys should definitely check it out. uh, they just got their own uh uh like Soundcloud and everything right?
0: yeah, we have our own separate channels now, so oh, yeah. we need to get our numbers back to where they should <laughs> be so everyone, can look and give us reviews, super fun, love it.
1: But uh, other than making podcasts, Ella is also uh, moonlights as a Kot fangirl.
0: This is true. I do. It's my it's my <laughs> part time job.
1: <laughs> and uh, apparently, sadly, this is uh, fulfilling some sort of dream that you have. <laughs> it's cool. I mean, that's you know, to each his own. We're flattered. <laughs> yeah, yeah, thank you. But oh, uh, yeah, we so you guys run a, f- uh, a family friendly podcast over. At yeah, Generation
0: very Zone. extremely. Yes. Yeah.
1: But uh, this is not a family-friendly no. podcast. As I'm sure our listeners are aware. And uh, there's actually uh, uh, an episode, something uh, I want to paraphrase. <laughs> Ella said that one day she was going to go on K.O.T. and straight uh, let loose, <laughs> I think she said. So we're going to ask Ella to uh, uh, start us off by uh, saying the like the ceremonial first pitch at a baseball game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first curse word. Mm-hmm. let throw it out.
0: Sure. Uh let's I'll go with uh motherfucker. That's <laughs> <laughs> I feel Like a spelling.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah. Uh oh yeah, country of origin, please. Yeah. <laughs> Some motherfucker's first Yeah, oldie, oldie but a goodie.
2: Yeah, oldie but a goodie. Very solid. Mm, yeah. Motherfucker. Yeah. Well, now that that's out of the way, let's get into our topic for today. Yes. Yeah, so for today's topic, we are continuing a series that we started not too long ago. Our Artifact series. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And today's subject, we're going to be talking about rings. Because, I mean, Tolkien is very heavily associated with rings.
1: Right? Yeah, it's not like, you know, it's called the Lord of the Rings or anything. Yeah, didn't they write
2: a book about that or something? Yeah,
1: there's a. It's a series, I think.
2: Yeah, fun fact.
0: But what are rings?
2: Yeah. Yeah, what Um, are they?
0: They are a piece of ornamental jewelry that is worn snugly around the finger.
1: Yes, and there are other types of rings as well. Uh, Earrings and uh, toe rings.
2: Yeah, so we we just want to differentiate what we're referring to here when we say rings are actually called finger rings.
1: Yeah, finger rings, and there are uh, many finger rings in uh, in Tolkien.
2: Yeah, some of the most famous finger rings come from the Ring of Power scheme.
1: Yeah, and Sauron is the master of finger rings, the,
2: um, the lord of finger rings, if you will. Yeah, he's responsible for, the, like, what, 20 different finger rings that make up the Rings of Power scheme? That's At least
1: of- 20 known finger rings, yes.
2: That's a lot. And Celebrimbor and the Gwaith are actually heavily involved in finger rings as well. Yeah, I think Tolkien in general, he was also just really into finger rings, along with his, his friend
1: C.S. Lewis. Yeah, they were uh,
2: very into finger rings.
1: Um, yeah, let us know what your favorite finger ring in, sci- in, uh, in fiction is.
2: So let's talk about uh, rings in real life.
1: Yeah, rings in real life. That's, they're a so, real yeah. human artifact.
2: Yeah, in context to our lives. So humans have been making rings for thousands of years.
0: The earliest examples were actually found in the Indus River Valley from around 3000 BCE.
1: Right on. And rings are typically made of a rigid material that can be shaped into, you guessed it, a ring shape. Yeah,
2: some examples of these materials, metal, bone, wood, stone, glass. But yeah, you can make them out of pretty much uh, anything. Yeah, rings are often made of a valuable material, but they're mostly symbolic. They can be a sign of authority, uh, like signet rings. I they're think it's sign a sign a
1: that's how they used to say it in my history class. I oh, guess. isn't
2: that where the term sign came from? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Well, fuck me. Sign i I'm, a learn- a I'm learning things live. People. <laughs>
1: um, but yeah, they're used by royalty and other authority figures to stamp their seal into
2: wax. Yeah. Rings can also be a reminder of something or someone that you are bound to. That's also worth, you know, they like that circular shape. Yeah. So let's look at some modern day examples. Why don't you tell us about some, Ella?
0: Yeah. So some modern day examples are like wedding rings or class rings or rings from societies, <coughs> cults, uh, like the <laughs> Freemasons. The Freemasons. Like, like, oh, excuse me. That cough no, sounded so
1: weird. We're not going to disparage the <laughs> Freemasons. They're They do great work and they're definitely not
2: scary. <laughs> definitely not scary. So now that we've talked about uh, rings in real life, let's get into rings within Tolkien's universe. Yeah, they're
1: often uh, in the legendarium, they're often central to plot stories. Like in many other mythologies, rings in Tolkien are sometimes magical. Not always, but sometimes.
2: But, But sometimes. I'm sure most of the rings we can think of in Lord of the Rings are magic rings.
1: Someone, yeah.
0: Can you think of a ring that's not magic? Ring of the
1: Barrett. the first, yeah, the first one on the list here. Oh, yeah. okay,
0: okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. All <laughs> right. <laughs> Vibe check failed, and I'll see myself out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so in Tolkien, rings are also oftentimes used as a sign of authority. Yeah. So, for example, the rings were rings were worn by the Noldor, who came over from Valinor as a sign of their uh, their house because they they felt they were better than everybody. And they had to be able I to... I re- They
1: had to represent <laughs> it. No, I... Yeah, very true. They're very proud of their heritage, yes.
2: They're very proud. But we know this specifically because it's stated that uh, Finrod Felican wore a ring of his house, the Ring of Finarfin. And although there are no explicit references to
1: other rings of this nature, we can assume that, you know, all the members of the Noldor royalty probably had
2: these as well. Yeah, we can assume it was probably common to make these kinds of things.
1: And the ring comes heavily into play throughout all three ages. And it becomes both a sign of authority and a reminder of an oath.
2: Yeah, let's kind of get into that ring, actually. And the name of this ring, as we know, is the Ring of Bera here. Yes, sir. And Ella's going to describe it for us. Yeah,
0: so the Ring of Bera here is a silver band uh, made into the likeness of two serpents, one of which is crowned with golden flowers, and the other one is devouring the golden flowers. And, um,. The eyes of the serpents are set with green gems fashioned in Valinor, which, uh, which burned as if with green flame. You
2: know, one of those fancy tricks of the Noldor. Mm. We've got a excerpt here about the ring. Green
1: jewels gleamed there that the Noldor had devised in Valinor, for this ring was like to twin serpents whose eyes were emeralds and their heads met beneath a crown of golden flowers that the one upheld and the other devoured. That was
2: the badge of Phenorphin and his house. Is it bad that every time I see golden flowers, I just think, golden showers? Golden (laughs) showers.
1: May flowers bring golden showers. And their heads met beneath a crown of golden showers. Golden showers. But yeah, the Ring of Felagund actually comes into play heavily, starting uh, with the Fourth Battle of Beleriand, which is one of my favorite things in the world to say, and that's the Dagor Braculak.
2: Yeah, so we're jumping all the way back to the First Age.
0: So that was known as the Battle of Sudden Flame, and it was that battle that ended the siege of Angband in the First Age, uh, year 455, and that was after 400 years of relative peace. And it was... During that battle, that Finrod Feligand, uh was surrounded in the Fen of Sarek, which <laughs> just sounds like Star Trek to me. <laughs> <laughs> totally sounds
2: like a sci-fi place. <laughs> yeah. Fen of Sarek.
0: <laughs> Sarek is Spock's dad. Spock's dad's name is Sarek. so oh, it's spelled like that. Yeah. Oh really? But the sound Sarek. Yeah. It's but it's like S A R A K. I think it's I think it's Sarek. Or no, it's E S A R E K. Now I'm failing. Um, (laughs) so (laughs) the men of the house of Beor lead a daring charge to save Feligand. And we have another excerpt.
1: Yeah,
2: got that excerpt. Their king, Finrod Felicent, hastening from the south, was cut off from his people and surrounded in the Fen of Sarek, and he would have been slain or taken. But Berehir came up with the bravest of his men and rescued him and made a wall of spears about him and they cut their way out of the battle with great loss. Finrod then gives
1: Berehir his ring and swears an oath, and we got another excerpt.
0: Thus Felagund escaped and returned to his deep fortress of Nargothrond, but he swore an oath of abiding friendship and aid, in every need to Berahir and all his kin, and in token of his vow he gave to Berhir his ring.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, this is it. pretty much is known as the Ring of Bear here from this point out. Yeah, after this,
2: this that's that's the name that it's given.
1: You'll hear it referred to as Felagun's Ring sometimes, but mostly the Ring of Bear here.
2: Yeah, so when the ring comes next into play is uh, during the tale of Baron and Luthien. So in the beginning of the story, Baron has to reclaim the ring from a, a band of orcs that had slain his father, and uh, taken the severed hand of his father that had the ring on it. So he had to go hunt down this band of orcs and get this ring back.
1: And I got a little theory about this.
2: My theory is that the orcs,
1: they wanted to take credit for killing Bearer here, but they wouldn't dare touch the work of the elves, the ring itself. So the orc logic was just to hack off the fucking hands. Because orcs are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> bottom line
0: (laughs) because orcs
1: are stupid they could have just cut the finger off but no they decided to take the whole hand the
2: whole hand (laughs) they probably did a bunch of stupid (laughs) jokes with it
1: Oi, would you like a hand
2: (laughs) (laughs) i love how you picked up the cockney accent they always (laughs) talk that way in the movies like they (laughs) always i didn't make that trope up they always call
0: call out peter jackson uh so baron Then he uses the ring to show his lineage in the halls of Thingol in Menegroth. And uh, this next excerpt is from The Lay of Lathian.
1: Proud are the words, and all there turned to see the jewels green that burned. In Beren's ring, these gnomes had set as eyes of serpents twined that met beneath a golden crown of flowers that one upholds and one devours. The badge that Finrod made of yore and Felagund, his son now bore exclaimer there's a um little something we got to talk about yeah little, a little
2: little disclaimer after that there excerpt so that's that's a very old writing that is an excerpt from yeah from right out of the lays
1: so the gnomes when they refer to gnomes that's actually the noldor they're talking about the noldor mm. and then it says the badge of finrod
2: which is actually the badge of Phenorphin. Yeah, so an edit that came years down the line when it says, uh, "Yeah, beneath the golden crown of flowers is the one that upholds and one of the vowers the badge of Finrod made of yore." It's supposed to be the bad the badge of Finarfin. Finarfin made. Which of doesn't yore. really work and in the rhyme. And Felagund his son. Yeah, because Finrod is Felagund, so that same dude. Yeah, saying Finrod yeah. and his son Felagund doesn't make sense. So correction.
1: Yeah, just so uh, you guys out there, I know you're very particular.
2: <laughs> yeah i know someone out there caught that and was like Mah.
1: uh baron also uses the ring to gain entrance to nargothrond
2: so baron knows that the road to nargothrond is chock full of hunters like elven hunters because the elves of nargothrond are very secretive folk they'll just like hunt you down and kill you without even seeing them so uh yeah during the days of Felogund, nargothrond was kept secret and uh, at this point baron comes comes close enough to where he knows the hunters can see him but he can't quite see them
1: Yeah, we got a little excerpt about this moment. Very cool.
2: Therefore, ere Baron had come far upon his road, they were aware of him, and his death was nigh. But knowing his danger, he held aloft the ring of Felagund, and though he saw no living thing, because of the stealth of the hunters, he felt that he was watched, and cried often aloud, I am Baron, son of Berahir, friend of Felagund, take me to the king.
1: Take me to the king. The oath of Felagund <laughs> eventually leads to his death in the
2: dungeons of his own damn tower. Yeah, which is pretty sad for good old King Felagund.
1: Yeah, for more on that, we talk about that in our Finrod character profile, which is part three of the Princes of the
2: Noldor series. Yeah, you can also go back to our Baron and Luthian episode, too.
0: So, after the death of Finrod, the oath had been fulfilled, and the ring now mostly called the ring of bear here became a symbol of authority and then became an heirloom of all the descendants of Baron and Luthien.
1: Right which means it, uh, it survived the second sacking uh, the second sacking of Doriath in 506 of the first age.
2: yeah it's taken after that sacking over to the havens of Sirion by Elwing and uh, she's basically the only surviving child of Dior at this point.
1: So for the two that are gone that we don't know about
2: yeah we assume they died the two sons. <laughs> But after that, uh, it survives as a third slang at the Havens of Sirion in the year 538 of the First Age, and was eventually given to Elros, son of Eärendil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was, of course, for you Dunedain heads out there, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) He
1: he became the first king of Numenor, known as uh, Tar-Minyatar in Second Age 32.
2: Good old Elros. Yeah, yeah. So up until the year 740, the Ring of here was an heirloom of the kings of Numenor.
1: Yeah, then it was actually passed down through the line of the lords of Induniae. And that was starting with Valandil, going all the way to Elendil the Tall.
2: Yeah, and Elendil the Tall is the one who took it with him from Numenor back over to Middle-earth in the year uh, 3319 of the Second Age. And there, it for a time, was the heirloom of the High King of the Dunedain.
0: And with the death of Isildur in year two of the Third Age, the ring became the heirloom of the kings of the North Kingdom, otherwise known as the Kingdom of Arnor. And then it uh, made its way through the kings of Arnor and the kings of Arthedain. And uh, this is where we come to King Arvidri, uh, who was the last king in the North Kingdom.
2: As I'm sure everybody knows. <laughs> you Dunedain
1: heads out there, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um in in third age 1975 uh, The 1975 yeah 1975 <laughs> that was your jaws came out wonderful Whoa! year but of course that was in our time not the third age of middle earth <laughs> but yes in the year third age 1975 the ring of bear here again becomes a symbol of gratitude and uh so this is after uh fleeing the northern uh the northern kingdom who which is ruined arvidwi and his men
2: seek out the aid of the snowmen of Forchel. Yeah, so Arvidwi gives them the Ring of Bear here, basically as a thank you for taking them in after they had hightailed it out of the North Kingdom. And Arvidwi tells them that uh, it's not magical or anything and it's not worth much, but that it's basically, his people will ransom a lot for this. It's worth a lot to Arvidwi's people. Yeah. And -hmm. we have an excerpt about this moment here too.
0: This is a thing of worth beyond your reckoning. For its ancestry alone... It has no power, save the esteem in which those hold it who love my house. It will not help you, but if ever you are in need, my kin will ransom it with great store of all you desire.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this actually uh, eventually did happen, although it is not documented
2: when. Yeah, the ring does get traded back, basically. Yeah, and uh, it is uh, from then on kept safe in Rivendell. So in the year 2952 of the Third Age is when the Ring of Bear here is finally given to the guy we all know and love. Yeah, yeah. Aragorn II, also known as Elisar. Yeah, yeah. The 16th and final chieftain of the Dunedain. Of course, of course.
0: Uh, And then it was in 2980 of the Third Age that Aragorn gave the Ring of Bear here to Arwen as a sign of betrothal in Lorien, um, which is deeply significant because the ring once again becomes a sign of an oath sworn
2: how
1: beautiful
0: baron and luthien part dose part exactly dose.
1: <laughs> but actually this time uh the oath is in the other direction it's, which is kind of funny it's yeah, cool it's kind of cool it's, it's going crazy, from the dude. yeah
0: like you meant it that way <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's going from the house of bear here back to the house of Finarfin because as you all know arwen is actually the great
2: granddaughter of Finarfin. Yeah, so originally it was going from elf to man. Now it's going from man to elf. To elf. All the way back in a circle, just like... Just like a just ring. Just like a, a ring. fucking ring. Oh my God. There's ah. <laughs> Shut it off, Joel. We're
1: done for the day. We've made, it, <laughs> we've made our point. We've blown our mind we've too many times. We've
0: come full circle.
2: <laughs> yeah, so the fate of the Ring of Bear here in the Fourth Age isn't really known, but uh, many people like to think that Arwen gave it to her son, Eldarion. Darien before she died in the year 121 of the Fourth Age. And then, from then on, it's really anyone's guess. Well, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the uh, the symbolism of the Ring of Bear here.
0: It's a sign of friendship between the Eden and the Eldar, which is shown on several occasions. Um, it's also the sign of an oath sworn to another, examples being Finrod, Arbidui, and our favorite Aragorn. Mm-hmm. And it's also a reminder to the wearer that you are bound to something. So, an oath of friendship or kings would see it as a symbol that they are bound to their people and their well-being and continued existence.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's talk a little bit about, uh, well, so that's, yeah, pretty much, uh, we got all we got on the Ring of Bear here. That's my favorite artifact ever.
2: Yeah, I know that's one of your faves. You're wearing it right now. I'm wearing it right now. Yeah, I bought it for too much money. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a pretty awesome replica, though. It's silver and
1: shit. Listen, see if you can hear it. (laughs) It's heavy.
2: It's heavy. Yeah.
0: That was a good sound. <laughs> yeah,
2: you know, you know if it's heavy, that means it's worth something, right? Oh, of course, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's made of pewter. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so now let's uh, stray away from the ring of bear here and get into some of the magic ring. Let's let's talk about uh, let's let's start just by kind of talking about the rings of power scheme in general.
1: Do you believe in magic? In a golden ring.
2: In a finger ring. In a finger ring. <laughs> A magic fingering. Show you a magic fingering. I'll show you a magic fingering. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh. Um
0: <laughs> so this was uh just some shtick that Sauron tried to pull in the early second age with the objective essentially being to enslave the entire free world.
1: Yeah, whatever. Uh yeah. he's
0: such a nice guy. Sure is. <laughs> Uh, And it was from this shtick that we get the 20 rings of power. And then Sauron takes fair form and tries to gain the friendship of the Eldar of Eriador and called himself Anatar, the Giver of Gifts, which is how you know that he's just such a good guy.
1: Right, yeah.
2: Because
0: he gave himself the name the Giver of Gifts. If you
2: You give yourself the name Giver (laughs) Giver of of Gifts, Gifts. you know you're just trying to make people think you're really cool. Yeah,
1: I got some candy for you, but it's out in this white panel van out there. (laughs) <laughs> you just gotta come to come to my van. <laughs> oh is he, uh, van. Give her of candy. <laughs> yeah. He does. Yeah, the, the Buffalo Bill thing with the couch. I I just need oh your God. help uh, getting this couch in, in the back of my rear and...
0: Can you help me put my sailboat back on my gold VW Beetle? <laughs>
2: <laughs> so in the year twelve hundred of the Second Age is when High King Gil Galad is the first of the Eldar to mistrust this new stranger, calling himself lord of gifts and uh, this is when <laughs> that's anatar just,
0: that's how i feel at christmas yeah <laughs> like i'm just like a lord of gifts i am <laughs> the anatar lord of gifts,
1: <laughs> lord of <laughs> the
2: gifts. Power. oh you know we're going to be making those anatar jokes now oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> um so yeah anatar basically presented himself as as an agent of the valar trying to get people to, ju- to to trust him
1: yeah but as we know anatar is actually that douchebag sauron uh but not too many people knew it at the time
2: yeah, not at this time. Uh, Gilgalad straight up forbade this Anatar character from even entering his land of Lindon.
1: Yeah, he didn't trust him. He didn't like the cut of his jib, as it were.
2: <laughs> not at all.
0: <laughs> uh, but elsewhere, Anatar was gladly received because they're like, fucking <laughs> give her a gift? Yeah, <laughs> man. i like Get in here, dude. Yeah, that passed my vibe <laughs> check. <laughs> uh, especially in Aragon, where some Noldorian smiths learned from him much magic and smithcraft and now we have another excerpt
1: alas for the weakness of the great for a mighty king is gilgalad and wise in all lore is master mm-hmm. elrond and yet they will not aid me in my labors can it be that they do not desire to see other lands become as blissful as their own
2: fucking douchebag
0: tea
2: yeah trying to tempt <laughs> them <laughs> Yeah, so in Eregion, there was a a specific brotherhood of Naldor mastersmiths called the gwaith Imirdane? Is that how you'd say it? I think so. And uh, they are the, the people of the jewelsmiths is what that translates to. Yeah, the Gwaith, they were founded back in the year 750 of the Second Age by Celebrimbor himself and some other Naldor smiths who had settled in Eregion. And they were easily tempted by the, uh, the offer... Of Anatar, since they really wanted to bring the joys of Valinor to Middle-earth, so they really kind of succumbed to his argument.
1: Yeah, and the Gwaith were already pretty OP when it comes to their smithcraft, but under Anatar, uh, they're uh, in his guidance. They became more skilled than any other smith, save for Feanor himself.
2: Yeah, that's really saying something. Yeah, so under the guidance of Sauron, this is when the Gwaith create the Seven Rings of the Dwarves and the Nine Rings of men. Mm.
0: Mm. It was in the year 1500 of the Second Age that the Gwaith-i-Mirdane reached the height of their power and began the forging of the Rings of Power under the guidance of Anatar, Sauron, Dick.
2: Dick. <laughs> Dick.
0: Dick. <laughs> the Rings of Power could prevent or slow the decay of the mortal world. Preserve what was desired or loved, and also enhance the natural powers of a possessor, even if that means disrupting the natural course of the mortal world.
2: Yeah, as we kind of see, like uh, in the course of Gollum. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, it kind of disrupts the natural (laughs) course of of things, and he turned into this nasty, gangly, uh, gangly creature. Just yeah. What a great.
0: Sp- is what I'm like when I get up in the middle of the night for water. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Just me water, like
0: yeah. <laughs> just on all fours.
1: I love uh when sweet. I uh, during uh during Lent is uh when I like to eat a lot of fish. So I always
2: think like <laughs> tis my wish to catch fish. <laughs> fish <laughs> to <laughs> juicy juicy sweet. I always imagine him slapping that fish. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> rah, rah. <laughs> yeah.
1: I want to go fishing with my like my son for the first time and I like <laughs> catch like a (laughs) like a tiny ass like sunfish and i'm just like (laughs) this is (laughs) what we do yeah like
0: like the life of pie yeah yeah exactly when he kills that
1: fish yeah sorry PETA people no we uh (laughs) we don't uh
2: torture animals oh god i'm a vegetarian so yeah yeah you do not enjoy the torture of animals no of course not (laughs) so when anatar the giver of gifts leave uh leaves eregion in the year 1590, he's actually leaving for Mordor secretly. Nobody knows that. But so while he's gone, this is when Celebrimbor takes the time to make the three Elven rings, partly using those teachings, those teachings of Anatar. But since he wasn't there, he didn't lay any any evil hands on them.
1: Yeah. Uh, but while in Mordor, Sauron, sneaky, sneaky fucker,
2: <laughs> he created the One Ring. Yeah. So they both kind of <laughs> thought they were being you know, sly, yeah. It's being sly to the other, and they both <laughs> made rings? I'm going to make a ring
1: without my buddy this time. And the and other guy's like, like, I'm going to make three rings. <laughs> yeah. they would be like if I just made a podcast episode without Joel. He'd be like, what the fuck, oh, dude? I'm, well, <laughs> then I'm going to go make three without <laughs> I'm going to go make three without you. Uh, yeah, like, uh, I noticed there's a new episode in the feed today, bro. What the fuck?
0: <laughs> it's like, sorry, it's like swipe or no swiping, but it's like Sauron, no
1: forging. Yeah. Yeah. No forging. <laughs> no
2: forging. <laughs> So let's jump into the seven rings for the Dwarf Lords. Ooh, Joel shit. Yeah, as I'm sure we all remember our Dwarvish history. Of course.
0: I do. There were originally seven fathers of the Dwarves who were created by Owlay himself. And they were put to sleep in order to await the firstborn children of Iluvatar. Because you guys are all losers and we hate you, so go to sleep. The only named father is Durin. And uh, the rings were given to the living heirs of the original fathers of the dwarves.
1: You hurt Joel's feelings with that dwarf crack. <laughs> <Oof. laughs> he laughed, the but my, I they <laughs> he laughed, but, him. but it hurt mm. deep down inside. inside. Something broke. They're my people. <laughs> <laughs> but we, well, yeah. the The rings actually had little effect on the dwarves. And uh, Joel's going to read a dwarf excerpt.
2: The dwarves indeed proved tough and hard to tame. They ill endured the dominion of others and the thoughts of their hearts are hard to fathom, nor can they be turned to the shadows. But they used their rings only for the getting of wealth, but wrath and overmastering greed of gold were kindled in their hearts, of which evil enough after came to the prophet of Sauron. And it is said that the rings are responsible for the seven hordes of the dwarves, which is something that I didn't know about. Yeah, that's something I wasn't aware of. I mean, obviously everyone knows that dwarves are all about You know, hoarding gold and stuff. And, like, we know about, like, dragons taking dwarven hordes. But I didn't know.
1: Yeah, there's a specific, like, mythical seven. Right. Yeah. So
2: each of the seven lines of dwarves got one of the rings, and each one of those rings caused its own horde. horde. So that mm-hmm. also means that each house has a horde. A horde. Which is pretty cool. I want to see what some of those eastern dwarven hordes are like. Yeah. Dude, I kind of want
1: to do an episode of hoarders, but just with, <laughs> with like, smog. like Dwarves and
2: dragons and, like, you guys.
1: Just, like, the camera crew is like, is that... Uh, look at all those Burger King rappers
2: over <laughs> there. <laughs>
1: but yeah what are the uh the seven hordes of the dwarves they are legendary treasure hordes amassed by the rings and although it's not certain the hordes of scatha the worm and smog may be two of the legendary hordes
0: just imagine being like a huge fucking badass dragon and and all the like people are like scatha the worm yeah (laughs) you're a worm (laughs) haha
1: worm
2: (laughs) that's probably why he killed so many people yeah he was. he's like die inferiority (laughs) complex yeah
1: they call me the worm. I'll show you a worm.
2: <laughs> yeah, but ultimately there isn't much known about what happened to many of the Dwarven rings. It's said that four of them were consumed by uh, by dragons and two were eventually recovered by Sauron. So, I mean, ultimately, I mean, they all kind of ended up somewhere, but it's not super specific as to where. The last one was the ring that Thror had.
1: Yeah, let's talk a little bit about uh, Thror's ring here. According to Durin's folk... Uh, their ring of power was given them directly by Celebrimbor. They won't even cop to having any contact with Sauron.
2: Yeah, they don't want to admit that Anatar could have given it. They they think that uh, it was given directly to Durin by Celebrimbor. Yeah,
1: because they're cool with Celebrimbor. Everybody is really. right.
2: But originally, um, it was gifted to
1: Durin the Third of Khazad And the ring survived in secret until it came into the hands of Thrain after the death of his father, Thror. Thror died at uh, Azanulzabar, right? Azanulbazar. God damn it. (laughs) Azanulzabar. God, I hate Kuzdul.
0: So Thrain lived as an exile in the Blue Mountains after Smog took Erebor in 2770 of the Third Age. But he longed in his heart to return to Erebor and reclaim their treasure. Uh, which may have been caused by the ring, but he was captured by orcs while on his way to reclaim Erebor in 2845, later in the Third Age, and he's then brought to Dol Guldur and tortured, and the ring was taken, including the key in the map. They took the key in the map?
2: No, infor- no, they didn't. Luckily, they, yeah. they, they did didn't. not.
0: They, he had it, and that's when Gandalf got it? Yes.
1: Yep. yep.
2: Yeah. He
0: was like, oh, Thrain's in a pit. Let me just... Let me <laughs> yeah. let me just cop that key in that map. Um, so Sauron either wasn't interested in them, or he hit him way up his butt. Yeah,
2: <laughs> that's yeah, the, the KOT t- theory: is that uh, he hit him up, up his butt. butt. The key in the map were so far. Like of all the so things to hide, <laughs> why would you hide a? key and a map. So well, far and the key is the a ring.
1: lot more jagged and awkward shaped than a ring would be. I'd rather put a ring up my ass right. than a key. Man, Thrain. made one of those w- old parchment maps, that wouldn't feel good either. Listen, no. you don't know
0: what you're capable of putting up your butt <laughs> until you need to put something <laughs> yeah. up your butt. I like, speak like, from experience. <laughs> just kidding. I'm <It> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I know. <laughs> it's for a fact. Yeah. You know, it
2: sounds like Thrain was actually looking for a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So enough about the dwarvish rings. Let's get (laughs) into the... uh, (laughs) Enough about
1: hiding things in your
2: anus. (laughs) Let's get into the Nine Rings of Men.
1: Yeah, uh, while the dwarves were relatively unaffected, this is definitely, definitely not the case for men. Uh, They were very quickly dominated by Sauron.
0: Men proved easier to ensnare. Those who used the Nine Rings became mighty in their day, kings, sorcerers, and warriors of old. They obtained glory and great wealth, yet it turned to their undoing. They had, as it seemed, unending life, yet life became unendurable to them. They could walk, if they would, unseen by all eyes in this world beneath the sun, and they could see things in worlds invisible to mortal men, but too often they beheld only the phantoms and delusions of Sauron. Dick. Yeah, isn't that such a mean excerpt? It's like,
1: not only are you totally like not a, a human being anymore, you're just gonna be tripping balls <laughs> the whole time with just horrible things that Sauron wants to show not you. Not know what's real. Yeah, not
2: know what's Sauron. So yeah, dude.
0: <laughs> Men proved easier to ensnare. Men
1: proved easier to <laughs> Me ensnare.
0: Me in England, like, yes, I'll take a gin and tonic. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, and I will see you never.
2: <laughs> So it's not known exactly who the Nine were that uh, were given the rings, except that three of them were of the high race of Numenor, and one was an Easterling. And they eventually fell completely under the dominion of Sauron and became, as we know, the Wraiths. And we have an excerpt about these. And they became forever invisible,
1: save to him that wore the ruling ring. And they entered into the realm of Shadows. The Nazgul they were, the ringwraiths, the enemy's most terrible servants.
2: Darkness went with them, and they cried with the voices of death. And this is why they're always seen as black cloaked figures, because there really isn't anything else to see.
1: Yeah, they're kind of a, a ghost,
2: yeah. Yeah, we get to hear a description when uh, Frodo sees them for their full horrible glory when he uh, puts on the ring on <laughs> Weathertop.
0: <time. laughs> it's just It's like me arriving to my night class. <laughs> I don't want to be there It's like (laughs) 7pm (laughs) It just made me laugh
1: (laughs) (laughs) Alright Let's talk a little bit about those those Elven rings made by Celebrimbor
0: Yeah so uh, Unlike the other rings of power Sauron never touched these three Celebrimbor made them with the crafts Taught to him by Sauron uh, But they were still bound to the one ring Even though they had powers of their own In a letter from Tolkien, he said that quote Sauron's taint was not directly on them unquote.
2: (laughs) Sauron's taint was never (laughs) on (laughs) us. Taint. (laughs) You you like wanted someone else to read that quote, yeah?
1: (laughs) So I could laugh at it.
2: Sauron's taint. (laughs) Yeah. So the three Elven rings were all named after elements. Uh, For example, Nenya is the ring of water.
1: Narya
0: is the Ring of Fire.
2: And, of course, Vilya, the Ring of Air. So let's start by uh, talking about Nenya, also known as the Ring of Adamant. Yeah, and it was wrought of Mithril and set with a white stone. Pretty cool shit. Yeah. And uh, in the year 1600 of the Second Age is basically when the jig is up. Shoot. And uh, Sauron is coming for his rings.
1: Yeah, Celebrimbor goes to Lothlorien to seek counsel from Galadriel. And she tells him to hide the rings and send them away from Eregion.
2: And uh, Cala Wimber thinks that's a pretty damn good idea. So he starts with uh, leaving Galadriel with the ring, Nenya. The other two are eventually given to Gil-Galad and Círdan in the Havens, but there's a little more on that later.
0: Is Galadriel the only lady ring bearer?
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. she is, actually. Yeah, she is. I mean, yeah, she's the
1: mightiest of the fucking Dumbledore. In Middle Earth, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, oh, she's the oldest, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's a she's daughter of Finarfin. For Christ's sake, people always like, yeah, Galadriel's there. She's fucking.
2: Finrod. But you have any idea how long Galadriel? Fin- Finrod Felagund's sister. Yeah, dude, she saw the trees.
0: So after Sauron's downfall in thirty four forty one of the Second Age, uh the Three Rings were then able to be used, which was due to Sauron not having the Master Ring and therefore being unable to dominate them.
2: Yeah, this was a really cool time in Middle-earth because the the, uh, elven realms basically became super fucking dope because they could use the rings. They're vibing. Yeah, Yeah, they're vibing hard. (laughs) Vibing hard. And during this time, Glandriel used uh, Nenya to basically beautify and strengthen Lothlorien throughout the Third Age
0: ironically the more she made middle earth like valinor the more she missed valinor and wanted to go back
2: yeah that's kind of sad yeah and irony
1: yeah a little bit irony eventually in uh third age uh 3021 she and nenya did sail across the ocean back to valinor yeah as we know that's right after the uh, war of the ring yeah and uh that was after the ring had pretty much lost its power because the the one ring had been destroyed yeah,
2: so the power had diminished. Oh. Say
0: in the movies, doesn't she say? She's like, "I will diminish and go into the West mm-hmm. and, and remain Galadriel,
2: and remain Galadriel." Galadriel. Mm-hmm. Remain yeah, gotta get. Uh, the uh, yeah, that line thing. is in the book of <laughs> the too. role.
0: Galadriel.
1: So let's talk a little bit about uh, Vilia. Yeah, Vilia is known as the Ring of Sapphire, <laughs> the Blue Ring. Or the Ring of Air.
0: Vilya was given to Gilgalad for safekeeping by Celebrimbor just prior to the War of the Elves and Sauron. It's described as a gold band set with a blue stone. Ugly, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. Ooh.
2: <laughs> I also think that sounds kind of strange. I don't like ugly. gold bands.
0: No, me neither. With a blue stone, ick, gross. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, and it is generally considered the mightiest of the three.
2: Man the mightiest one is the one yeah.
0: the ugliest one mm.
1: the ugliest one is the mightiest <laughs> one yeah so let's get into the uh the powers of Vilya
2: yeah so Vilya's power was not specifically stated but to most degree that it had the power to heal and this of course is evident when Elrond is its wielder in uh in the third age yeah and uh, we've talked about a pretty popular thing in K- kot before about uh w- we like to talk about when basically the rings were used to heal frodo yeah they kind of teamed up to to heal frodo yeah we talk about how much had to go in to save him like you had a
1: an elven lore master wielding one of the rings of power and then a fucking uh a Maiar. a my wielding another ring of power yeah there's
2: an outrageous amount of power there so yeah we think that th- the power's Of these rings were used specifically to heal Frodo in that instance.
1: Right. Yeah, and uh, the ring is actually given to Elrond at the end of the Second Age, or just prior to it, depending on uh, what your story is. (laughs) Yeah, there's a couple differing accounts.
2: But to some say Gil-Galad gave it to Elrond upon his death, and others say it was before then, when uh, he basically entrusted Elrond as like his second-hand man.
1: Yeah, he's the vice-regent, they say, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, Elrond uses Vilya to uh,
1: preserve the power and the wisdom of the Eldar in his realm of Enladris, a.k.a. Rivendell, throughout the Third Age.
2: And uh, Elrond and Velia set sail for the Undying Lands in that same year as Galadriel in the year 3021 of the Third Age. So let's talk about, last but not least, Narya! Yeah, this is uh, Narya, a.k.a. the Red Ring or the Ring of Fire and this I has described a as a fire. gold band <laughs> with a large red gem
1: down Ugly. down down <laughs> into ba- ba- a burning real fire, fire. Mm-hmm.
0: narya was originally given to gugalad along with vilya but was later given to curdan the motherfucking ship right <laughs>
1: shafted <laughs> 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 shafted <laughs> Shaf- <did. laughs> are you um, happy you got to have a curdan reference so happy <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like um What's the? <laughs> is it the Make a Wish Foundation? Yeah, <laughs> It's yeah. The Make a Wish Foundation. That would
1: be so. If we got contacted by Make a Wish and they were like, "Yeah, some kid with cancer needs," <laughs> I'm to like, hang "Bro, out I lost you.
0: my leg, but like, can I come on <laughs> and say Shafted after yeah. talking about Kieran? That'd be great." Thanks. Someone
1: say cute and Shafted. Just <laughs> <This laughs> all you want, kid. Like <laughs> that's all you
0: want. That's huh. uh, Okay, so Kieran held on to naria until. Uh, the year 1000 of the Third Age, which is when the five Istari, the wizards, arrive in Middle-earth on the behest of the Valar. They were there to combat the growing threat of Sauron, but kind of on the down low, kind of low-key.
2: As the Gen Z says, low-key. Low-key, yep. Low-key. But uh, here, Curdan, being a wise guy. Wise guy.
0: (laughs) Such a a wise guy. A wise guy. A wise guy.
2: A wise guy. Why you gotta be a wise guy? Well, this guy, he understood that the true nature of the mission... (laughs) The true <laughs> nature of the Astari. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he saw in uh, Olorin or Gandalf, you know.
1: Yeah, I love that oh, yeah. saying that something word special. with a Minnesota accent. is funny. <laughs> yeah,
2: so Círdan obviously saw something special in uh, good old Gandalf or Olorin as he was known at the time, that no one else really saw. So he just goes right on ahead and is like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're the guy here. And yeah. he, he he just gives Gandalf Narya just on the sly. And he does that thing like in A Link to the Past where he holds it up into the air. Do-do-do-do-do. Yeah, don't go alone. Take this.
0: <laughs> it's not safe. <laughs> so arguably, Narya's power is the most tangible in Lord of the Rings. It has the power to inspire those to resist evil and tyranny, uh, which Gandalf fucking exemplifies. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's like. That is Gandalf. That is him. That's what he does. And uh,
1: some uh, also suspect that being the Ring of Fire, it also gives Gandalf the power to manipulate and
2: create flame. Yeah, because Gandalf is a fire guy. He's one of those fire, fire my Fire guy. Hey, uh, fire, fire guy. He's a fire guy. <laughs> Not just a wise guy, he's <laughs> a, fire he guy. a fire guy. Not only
1: a wise guy, he's a wise fire guy, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, he, Yeah. so that's something he was already pretty damn, pretty damn good at to begin with, you know, the fire. And uh, also, fun fact, something I didn't know previous to this, Narya is invisible when worn by Gandalf, which is Can't probably probably why nobody fucking knew he he's had it. He's a wise guy. Can't catch him. He's a, he's a wise guy. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: Nenya is also invisible to everybody but Frodo. Oh, oh. Why? They just uh, oh, they just, right. just they just see a light on her finger. They don't see the ring. I don't <laughs> They're like, that. bro,
0: what
2: is that? <laughs> what is that shit,
1: dude? <laughs> it's shining, man. Yeah. Only Frodo just got yeah. ice. She's ripping an like, ice. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It ain't nothing. Ain't no thing. And <laughs> uh, a side note uh, So Gandalf um, A lot of people think I, I don't know I didn't put this in here But the uh, A lot of people think That when Gandalf Confronts the Val, the uh, the Balrog And he says Wielder of the Flame of Anor A lot of people don't know Exactly what that means But it could be a reference To this ring
2: I've always wondered Because uh, I, Every time I heard Anor I, I was thinking Arnor And I was like Flame of Arnor What does that even yeah, mean? Yeah it's
1: either that Or in reference to Iluvatar, The Wielder of the Flame Imperishable Because he says, I'm the secret servant of the fire, the wielder of the flame of honor. Okay. Anyway, nerd shit doesn't really have to do with this very much. (laughs) What are you, a fucking nerd? (laughs) What are you, some kind of fucking geek or something? This is not
2: the place for that, Danny. This
1: is not the place. This is a serious podcast. Who invited you?
2: This is all about religious allegories, (laughs) damn it. Ella, kick him out. Get out of here. Yeah, so ultimately, uh Narya uh, set sail with Gandalf to the Undying Lands in the year 3021 of the Third Age. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh that's about all we have on Narya. Yeah, yeah. That's it for this episode of Artifacts Rings.
0: But wait, Is what it? about the One Ring!
1: That's right. Uh, we actually decided that um, we're actually going to just do a full Artifacts episode on the One Ring at some point here in the future.
2: Yeah, rather than uh, really cut the One Ring down and shove it into the, all this other stuff, we're going to just give it its own episode. We can totally talk about the One Ring on its own.
0: It does, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah, does, it's, it's it? a pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: It's like the ultimate yeah, yeah. Horcrux. It is. But also,
1: quickly, we got to make another one of Fangor Ella's dreams come true. yes. We have for you the latest episode of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama featuring proud fellow Minnesotan Ella Pearson of Generations Geek Podcast.
0: Woo! I've Woo! been training my whole life for this moment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Just running up steps. In, Literally, yes. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. In Philadelphia.
0: <laughs> Wearing Converse. <laughs>
2: so we hope you guys enjoy this uh, next installment of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. Here we go. It was in this time that the War of the Elves and Sauron was nigh. Sauron would come to Eregion and take the Three Rings by force if he could. And now Celebrimbor seeks counsel from the most powerful of the Eldar in Middle-earth. Galadriel, Gilgalad, and Círdan the Shipwright. Celebrimbor sits alone at his home in Eregion. There is a knock at the door. He is expecting company. Oh, Ufta, that must be them. It's about Gashtern time, you know. Celebrimbor opens the door to a sight few and are to have the pleasure to behold. There stood the Lady Galadriel. She had some sort of a dish in her hand.
0: Oh, I there?
2: Well, if it ain't my beautiful cousin Galadriel. Oh, how you been?
1: What you got there now?
0: Oh, I just thought I'd bring some tater tot hot dish for the night, you know. Thought we might get a little hungry.
1: Oh, yeah. I bet we will, hey.
0: So who else is coming then?
1: Oh, uh, Gilgalad should be here uh, any darn second now.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Is Kirton coming with him then? I was hoping for some of that dynamite Ludafisk of his.
2: Oh, yeah, that's good Ludafisk there. Just then, a knock is heard at the door. Oh, that must be him now.
0: Oh, yeah, for sure.
2: Calabrimber moves over to the open door. Gil-galit is standing there, beaming with a case of beers under his arm. Oh, yeah there, cousin. How's the weather out there, huh? Oh, not bad, eh? What you got there now? Oh, just thought I'd bring some hams over
1: for the night, you know? Oh, yeah, we could all go for a hams right now, hey? Yeah, uh, your
2: auntie's here. Oh, yeah? I uh, had yeah, there, auntie. How you been? Been a while, huh?
0: Oh, pretty good, yeah. Is Kieran with you by chance there?
2: Oh, no, you wanted to go fishing. He sends his best, though.
0: He send any Ludafisk?
2: Ho, ho, ho. Oh, yeah, I wish, eh? The three then sat down and feasted on Tater Tot dish and Ham's beer. The mood became more grave when Celebrimbor told them the story of Anatar and the Three Rings. I knew that Anatar was no good, eh? I had a sneaking suspicion that he might have been Sauron, you know. Oh, yeah, I know. Hey, I should have listened to ya.
1: Yeah, I really should have. I really goofed up on that one.
0: Yeah, you goofed up pretty bad there. What are we going to do about these gosh darn rings, eh?
1: Well, I'm pretty sure they can't stay here, you know. I was kind of hoping that uh, maybe you guys, uh, you know, might be able to, you know, maybe take them with you, eh?
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. Hey, I'll take that uh, blue one there and the red one.
0: Hey, now, how come he get two then?
2: Well, now I'm the high king, you know.
0: Yeah. And the only reason that is, is because you got a wiener. I'm Fenarfin's daughter, hey? If anybody gets two, it should be me.
1: Oh, hey now, hey, hey now. If anybody should be high king, it uh, maybe should be me, uh, grandson of Fan and no. all. But anyways, let's not fight now. Gilgalad, uh, you will take uh, two of them and give one to Curedan, okay? Everybody cool with Curedan, right? Everyone's cool with him, yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okie dokie, then. Hopefully this will all work out in the end, yeah? Ho ho, yeah, for sure, eh?
0: All right, fine, give it to Kierden. And you tell him, hey, you tell him if we survive this war and Sauron doesn't kill all of us, I'm gonna want some of that goddamn Ludafisk.
1: And that's the end, guys. Hope you enjoyed the latest installment of Minnesota Tolkien radio drama. I know we loved it. It's always fun.
2: And thanks for our first uh, female voice, Ella.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: (laughs) My pleasure.
2: <laughs> but uh, that's about all we've got for you guys today. This has been KOT Podcast. Be sure to follow us on social media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Follow us on Twitter,
1: uh, at KOT Podcast. If you want to follow me, I am uh, at Danny J, that's J-A-Y, K-O-T. And follow us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Tolkien. And also join that K.O.T. talk group, which is on there,
2: uh, and you can ask us questions and discuss with other listeners. If you're a more of a visual person, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Podcast. and uh, be sure to subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts, and that will be at that website, forward slash Tolkien. Be sure to stay up to date with all of our new episodes. And uh, while you're there, be sure to give us a rating.
1: Yeah, and uh, we also want to take some time out to say thank you, thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon. And if you want to uh, give to our Patreon, that's www.patreon.com slash Um, Subscribing to Patreon is a way to help support us because KOT is still a 100% DIY podcast and still comes out of our pockets.
2: Yeah, every donation really, really helps us and uh, ultimately just helps us bring new content to you at the same or greater level of quality than you come to expect.
1: Yeah, and unlock, uh, subscribing uh, is a little, uh, think of it as a little thank you for, uh, for giving us a tip there. Um, uh, there's some exclusive content that you guys can listen to, um, and it's always not safe for work and
2: always pretty raunchy. Yeah, so <coughs> just be aware. We like to have some fun with that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're giving to our Patreon, I'm sure you love this. You eat this shit up with a spoon, so
2: <laughs> yeah. Um. And uh, be sure to check out Generations Geek. Yes, yeah.
1: yes, yes, yes. Check out Generations of Geek, and you're also doing another uh, Star Trek podcast. You
0: should yes. plug that too. Um, yeah, you can find my my other Star Trek podcast uh, is called uh, Star Trek Discovery. So we do recaps of all the new Star Trek episodes. Uh, with Picard coming up, premiering soon. That's mm. next month, and including the short treks, which are coming out right now. Um, so you can find that by googling enterprising individuals. Um, the links are on their site, and uh, yeah, Generations of Geek on wherever you know. Wherever you listen to podcasts now.
1: Yeah. And uh, if you guys do like Star Trek, I know there's probably a good uh, crossover. Ella and Scott know fucking everything about Star <laughs> I do. Trek. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like they're like what we are for Tolkien. That's their Star yeah, Trek, if not are, worse than they, us. They,
2: I mean, they cover like everything geeky, which is awesome. Yeah, but so yeah. no, much just fun. But I, if in I, their if, personal lives. Like if like I it, had to put <laughs> a finger on a specific obsession... I'd have to say it's probably Star Trek. Yeah. So yes, if you it's guys did that is that accurate? Yes, I think
0: okay. so. I think so. Well, um you you've, you guys have seen the uh the basement. Yes, My we have. father's basement.
1: Oh, Scott's basement. Wall to
0: wall Star Trek.
1: Impressive. But yeah, that's uh, pretty much all we got uh for you today guys. Uh I am Danny J. I'm Joel i
0: I'm Ella Rose. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh together today we are Keep on, on talking. And Ella's going to do the sign off today. Say it. Yeah, yeah.